Hello, everyone. I am Matt Burton. He has the grace of a swan, the wisdom of an owl, and the eye of an eagle. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. I want to tell you guys about Anytime Fitness Gyms. Our partnership with 23rd Street Anytime Fitness just started, and we couldn't be more excited. If you're in central Oklahoma City and thinking about getting a head start on New Year's resolution or wanting to work off the beer and food from Saturday, head to Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker next to the Drake Restaurant in Uptown OKC. You get 24-7 access, private parking located behind the building, everything you'd need for your fitness goals. What more could you ask for? Don't worry if you don't live near this particular Anytime Fitness with over 10 locations in Oklahoma City, as well as multiple locations in Tulsa and Dallas, you'd be set. Just come into the 23rd Street location to sign up and you're free to use any of Anytime Fitness facilities 24-7. Tell them you heard about the deal from Through the Keyhole. Be sure to like and share Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Follow them there for updates on deals and other cool activities. The gym is looking forward to over 40,000 upgrades in equipment and amenities over the next year, so beat the rush and join the best gym in town. Join now for the $1 enrollment program going on now through the end of October. Again, that's 23rd Street Anytime Fitness on Walker and 23rd by the Drake. Tell them through the keyhole sent you. Guys, this is Matt Burton again here. I know that this podcast is coming out a little bit later than normal, but as you'll hear in the podcast, I was watching the Braves game. And the Braves won the World Series! Let's go! The Braves won the World Series, so I'm sorry that this podcast is coming out late, but now you know why. Still running! It's a corner! CD! Welcome to Through the Keyhole. It's a very special episode because... Why is Oklahoma ranked number eight? What are we going to do, Matt? Do something. Don't sit there, Keegan. They're close. They're closer to number four today than they were yesterday. Lincoln's been right this entire time, man. He's been right this whole time. Oh, he was close. College football rankings are out. Seven teams are ahead of Oklahoma. The order... Not important because, as we all know, all these college football playoff rankings until the day after championship weekend are dress rehearsals and ultimately meaningless. It's all it's all show. It is drama at its finest. And I'll admit, when I saw Oklahoma pop up at eight, I did scream at the TV, but it was instinctual because I'm like, really? But then two seconds passed and I realized, please piss this team off. Please. Yes, put Michigan ahead of them. Thank you. Thank you, sire. I wish they would have put Wake Forest ahead of OU. Because when you think about it, you know, Wake and Bake has just been perfect this year. OU, on the other hand, oh, they they disappointed us. So we're gonna we're gonna drop them. I thought Nick Benito's tweet was interesting. I don't follow players on the Twitter. What did he say? Rightfully so was his tweet. Rightfully so. Maybe that's the, I mean, you do beat Kansas by 12. Kind of put yourself in a bad spot, but. I thought that's why Oklahoma State, you know, stayed relatively around where they were in the (laughs) rankings because, well, because they beat a very good Kansas team, guys. This is a very salty Kansas Jayhawk squad. You notice how that's the most you've ever heard about an Oklahoma State-Kansas game last weekend? I didn't hear anything. What, What happened? 
Matt, by the way, Matt Burton, our lovely producer, is not paying attention. He's Sorry, watching, I'm not doing my job very well. He's watching the stick ball. He's got not a, doing my job very well and base hit. He's got right, a rooting awesome. interest. What's going on? Uh, Astros just had a base hit. Was there cheating involved? Probably. Potentially. Probably. 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 Can, can never trust those people down in Houston. But whatever. The Braves are going to lose the series. It's fine. I've already accepted it. Real quick, though, real quick aside in our audio medium here, Matt, are you trying to become a barista? Because you've got the... I've got earth tones got, going well, on, Well, you've got man. the curl mustache almost there. I can kind of see it. Yeah. You've got a full beard, but I can kind of see... No, my... Uh, you, you're going to look like that... My organ. hairstylist lady... Um, Let's uh, let's all say a quick prayer for her. She had like a skull fracture. Oh my! So oh I my have God. not I have not been to uh, get my hair cut in some time. Oh my! Lord. Or beard trim. Yeah. Is she so, okay? Uh, I hope so. I you haven't yeah, checked there, in. I have checked in. I have checked in. She said she was fine, but she said she uh, refused to be admitted to the hospital. Which, hey, uh, that's your choice, I guess. Did she get attacked by a monkey? <laughs> sadly no sadly no you know that's that's only happened uh once that i've ever heard of today at least but yeah that that explains oh, the the beard and just overall poor looking man than i am well you look good regardless you and do your beard looks fantastic thoughts, thoughts, thank you thoughts and prayers for your hairstylist lady as you referred to her i prefer hair woman Woman. Woman, yes. I prefer hair scientists, but, you know, that's just me. Um, no, we'll get to the whole Texas stuff in just a bit. Let, let's stick with the playoffs here. Um, OU, like I just said, starts off at number eight. And who's in front of them? Michigan, Ohio State. This is this is the top ten, or I'll go top 12. Number one, Georgia. Two, Bama. Three, Michigan State. Four, Oregon. Five, Ohio State. Six, Cincinnati, seven, Michigan. So three teams ahead of Oklahoma still play each other with Ohio State, Michigan State. That seems important. That seems important. And Ohio State, Michigan. Alabama, Georgia could play at the end of the year. Number eight, Oklahoma. Number nine, Wake Forest. Ten, Notre Dame. I thought that was interesting. Eleven, Oklahoma State. Twelve, Baylor. Notre Dame is at ten to justify potentially having Cincinnati there. Because let let me tell you this really quick. I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to assume both of you agree with me, which is a wrong thing to do, because as we learned all season long, assuming is the worst thing you can do when you're talking (laughs) about OU football. I'm going to assume this. OU wins their next three games either in dominant fashion or in much of the same fashion that the 2021 Sooners have gone. And then they win the Big 12 Championship. Even with an undefeated Cincinnati, OU's in ahead of them at the very least. Um, The Big 10 teams will take care of one another. Alabama already has a loss. So if they end up losing to Georgia, I'm sorry, two loss. They've got Auburn. At th- I mean, you've heard me say this for six. I mean, Auburn's still there at the end of the schedule. they got to go on the road to end the year. I don't think it would be crazy for them yes, to, but, to lose even a game before them. But just assuming, for the most part, Correct. chalk takes place. Yes. Alabama with two losses is not going to get in over at the expense of an undefeated Oklahoma. So everything's going to take care of itself. But I will say... It does seem like the committee at the at this early stage is really trying to set a pre- set the path for we don't want to put Oklahoma in there again because I think we all probably also agreed and I in fact Keegan I know you and I did in the off season looking ahead at this season looking at this schedule it's a good thing 
it's very manageable. And I don't even see even an inexplicable loss unless you put in the whole nine-game factor in a row. But with that, I don't know if this OU team can rebound after a loss and get into the playoffs unless there's a bunch of chaos and there's a bunch of two-loss teams. So there's good and bad with that. But it does seem like keeping Notre Dame at 10 we got to make Cincinnati have something. we got to let, let them have something because I think we could also all agree Notre Dame's not very good. No, they're not, and really, I, I hate to pull this out. I mean, you had three, two pick sixes against Wisconsin, three, like something crazy like that. I mean, they they beat a, a good Wisconsin team who came in at 21 at, with five and three, which is still Is Wisconsin still good? Well, I got some closure on them last weekend. I can tell you that, boys. I felt that felt pretty good on Saturday. Now I need them to win out and get to the Big Big Ten championship game at nine and three, and I'll feel even better. But I, I wanted to add this to what you're saying. I don't see a path to where Oklahoma winning out, and there's just no way they don't get in. And I, I guess you could come up to the idea, right? The only one that makes sense that could potentially happen would be Alabama beating Georgia, Ohio State winning out, Oregon winning out, but I just don't I don't I don't see them putting one four one loss teams over a thirteen and out Oklahoma. I just doesn't equate in my head. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah, because me. especially when you when you're projecting out that far and assuming that all that takes place, then people would have the understanding, the two month data point of, oh yeah, this Caleb Williams really is that guy. Right. Uh, their defense was hurt. Yeah, and, th- and their defense was hurt. Um, and once they came back, they magically got better. What do you know? And also, Oklahoma, just as a team, got better, which is the entire point of playing sports, is just getting better, getting better, getting better, and playing well at the right time. So Oklahoma has all that ahead of them. That was the frustrating thing after week three, four, five, after week one, where we're like, they won the game, so the worst thing didn't happen. But my word, that was very disappointing, and we have to live with that for the next you know, six days until the next game. And we were constantly hoping that they would finally start to look like the OU, the Oklahoma Sooners that we assumed that they would be. And that just did not happen until, I mean, kind of last Saturday when they beat Texas Tech 52-21. to But, I mean, overall, the thing with the playoffs, the, the playoff rankings, the, the week-by-week drama crap, I've been really consistent with this. I've tried to be logical with it. The thing that really annoys me about it is that it appears that, you know, as we all know, the committee doesn't have a set criteria that they're basing their rankings off of. And with that comes, okay, are you hyper-criticizing Team 1 for X, but ignoring X for Team 2 while hyper-praising Team 2 for Y and ignoring hyper-praise team one so whatever criteria you're using to punish Oklahoma because there's no doubt the committee wants to punish OU because here's why we all thought you were going to be better and you guys disappointed but dang it you guys had the you guys had the friggin balls to go undefeated because here's the silly part if OU had just randomly lost to Nebraska and everything afterwards happened the exact same way 16-13 West Virginia Rattler gets benched, Texas, OU comes back with Caleb. Everything happens afterwards. You know what everybody would be talking about? Man, since that Nebraska loss, OU's a completely different team because they would have that reference point of improvement. 
where it hit rock bottom fully, and then they got better. But this Oklahoma team has just been disappointing, but they keep winning. Like that's we'd rather you lose because that's what I, that's what I see when I see these rankings. Why is Michigan ahead of Oklahoma? I get why Ohio State is. I get why Michigan State is. Of course, they're undefeated as well. I get why Cincinnati is. Other than them, other th- other than Michigan State and Cincinnati, what team ahead of Oklahoma? ahead of Oklahoma has a better win than any of Oklahoma's wins? The answer is none of them. And if you're going to say Georgia beating Clemson 10-3, to that win is aged like milk. I guess they're giving Michigan the Wisconsin game. That would be their game. But even then, to your point, I mean, I don't, Brady, I don't, the things that don't make sense to me, Alabama number two, Oregon number four, Ohio State number five. Zero sense to me. And if you want to get into like, some of the reasons why, like, Ohio State and, you know, they talk about game control. Like, that's a metric that they use. Well, like, why I hate that is because in 2021, more coaches are going for it on fourth down. They're taking more risks in order to get, you know, better chances for them to win. Take the Alabama Ole Miss game. For perfect example here. Ole Miss goes for it, like, six times in the first three quarters of that game. Don't get it three of those times. I believe they were in plus territory on th- all th- and on three of them. One of them, and I think one of them, no, sorry, one of those that they didn't convert was like on their own 30. So they had two in plus territory and one on their own like 30 or 35. So, of course, Alabama's game control metric is going to be better because Ole Miss gifted them points and gifted them a margin. And so you got to – there's got to be something there that – you know, I want to credit, I, this is that time of the year, Brady, where I bring them up all the time. Uh, Adam McClintock, Dave Bartu, CFB Matrix. They do a fantastic job with this stuff. I I can't and I don't, I can't understand. It's not, their, it's not their doing. They're just following the committee's behavior and their rankings over time. But, like, when you talk about game control, like, there's just so many factors that go into that about, like, what the point, the margin of the game is in the third quarter with six minutes left or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, this doesn't make sense to me, Brady. And then you heard my rant this offseason about strength of record because strength of record has ESPN's FBI added to it as part of the, like their met, their metric. So it t- technically ESPN does kind of have a variable here of course. in how this thing goes down. And I'm not, I think Seth Walder and the analytics team at ESPN, they do a fantastic job. But it just – it comes off wrong, right? Especially whenever you don't know what goes into FPI. And I think that's the biggest thing about this. And this is every year we have the same conversation. There's a lack of transparency. In my world, like if I need to hit up Parker Fleming and go, why does – why why do you have Team X projected to win by this margin? Parker immediately comes back to me. It's like, well, this, 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 and this. Or Steven Plassans to do data with it's because of this, 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 and this. And like the committee's just like, well, Alabama's number two because they're Alabama. Like Ohio State's number three because they're Ohio State. Like they don't, there's no transparency about how they come up with their rankings, what metrics they choose to rely on the most. And it sounds like the game control aspect of this is looming large as well as strength of schedule and strength of record. Oklahoma's will improve. I wasn't. Not, I wasn't shocked that they were where they were. I figured six, seven, or eight was going to be where they were at. But at the same time, like, 
yes, Oklahoma has struggled. <laughs> We've bitched about it for nine weeks at this point. Anybody that knows it better than people here, uh, there's, there's nobody out there that knows it better than people here about Oklahoma struggles. We all talk about it. But at the same time, like, they're playing these low-possession games, Brady, and Alabama and all these teams are not. So, like, there's just so much context that is being left out of this conversation, which is why I hate the fact and, like, I don't even like the BCS to a certain certain extent because those metrics, you don't know what goes into those either for the most part. So, I, I don't know the answer. All I know is that something is amiss with their criteria and what they what they rely on. And I, I think Bartu and McClintock hit it the nail on the head. They're, they they have metrics that they look at to justify their rankings, right? Which is what everybody does. They always Everybody has data to justify everything. I'm the perfect example of that. But at the same time, like, got to be transparent with it. I mean, Brady, I don't know over – we've been doing this for over a year now. Like, I don't know if there's anything that I've said to you that I haven't, like, come up and – this is why I'm saying this. Like, this is why – like, this is where my head's at, and this is why. Like, they're not providing that, which, too – gets to the point of that's why people are frustrated tonight because there's a lack of trust between the most important people in our sport right now and the fan. There's just a lack of trust, and that's what it that's, is what it is. Uh, I went very long-winded there. Oklahoma wins out. I think they're in. I'm not. Of course they are. Yeah. They, they went out, they're in. I don't care what Cincinnati does. I don't care what the SEC teams, the top two ones, do to each other in whatever order they finish. OU's in, undefeated. And just like I thought last year where people were trying to make the argument that, hey, nobody's playing better than OU, finish off the year after their first two losses, maybe they should be in the playoff. And I told you, like, I think they lost their right to be a playoff team because I I, I know it's not the way the playoff is, but I hold the playoff, I put it on a freaking pedestal. It should be this way. And OU, in my opinion, lost their right to be one. That doesn't mean that doesn't take away from the fact that they were playing like a playoff team and they did improve, but they had lost their right by losing two games, one in relatively embarrassing fashion and one in kind of disappointing, ugly fashion in names. So if OU loses one of these next three games or if they lose in the Big 12 championship game, I'm sorry, they've lost it because they didn't have that margin for error according to their soft schedule. And then with by, with by how they navigated it in the first five or six weeks. So OU has everything ahead of them, and they're going to get in if they get if they go undefeated. But that's just what they have to do. And overall, I just I hope it pisses this team off because I didn't want them to go into the bye week thinking they accomplished. Oh, thank God we got to the bye week. Thank God now we can relax. Like no 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 no. Here comes the hard part. If you thought that was hard, it's going to get a little bit harder. So go into the bye week, rest your bodies, rest your mind, but be pissed off because the committee gave you a reason to like. All right, wake up, you're Oklahoma. Here comes Baylor, here comes Iowa State, here comes Oklahoma State. Do something about it. But I, I think overall, like before we get into anything deeper with the playoff or the the uh, monkey business down in Austin, <laughs> um, I, I would say like, because I look at rankings, especially prior to the final rankings, in very philosophical, silly, silly terms. Like I, I, I will acknowledge that. Through the Keyhole is brought to you by Uptown Anytime Fitness. That is Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker. The best gym in Oklahoma City, if you ask me. And I know that for a fact because I've been using it for just about two years and I couldn't love it anymore. Perfect size, perfect amount of equipment. 
and we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals, yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a, a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about a 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville, Anytime Fitness in Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that. If I'm surprised Wake Forest wasn't ahead of OU. And the reason why is because OU's getting punished because they disappointed people. And just like I said, if they had lost some if they'd lost against Tulane, my God, OU would probably be viewed better. They would they would because Minnesota why, got beat by Bowling Green in their twentieth. Why is Michigan ahead of OU? Like a, I think it's quality loss. Quality loss, and they've got one top twenty five win. I'm telling you, dude, it's just hilarious. Don't you ever, ever tell me losing is better than winning. Don't. Hey, didn't Bama lose to a backup quarterback? Uh, A&M. I know A&M's probably better than we give them credit for as a better football team. Yeah, we and that Florida game happened. And the Florida game happened. Uh, People forget that. they did. And Bama, <laughs> Bama got punished one spot. One spot for losing to a backup quarterback. So if they beat, I guess... I, the best I thing for Alabama this year was just how disappointing Oklahoma looked. Because if Oklahoma... If they had crushed Nebraska, if they had just simply... What, whether it was Tulane, Nebraska, or West Virginia. Michigan it, also beat Nebraska by three, by the way, to add to that. Ooh. Oh, well, there's a common opponent. Crazy. If OU had crushed one of Tulane, Nebraska, or West Virginia, one of those three, they'd won 45 to 10, Alabama would have been punished a little bit more because OU's consistent disappointment would have been more infrequent than it was, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. But... Whenever people have paid attention to OU this year, they've been wowed by Caleb Williams or they've been underwhelmed by either the offense with Spencer Rattler or underwhelmed with the defense uh, since all the injuries kind of occurred. I mean, I'm with you now in Michigan the more I look at this. They beat Rutgers by seven. Also, I, I'm i sorry. I, I guess I get Ohio State. They won against Penn State. I have not been impressed by Penn State. Their yeah. offense is fucking terrible i'm sorry if i'm anybody I'm, I'm, watching penn state would feel that way i'm uh i'm dropping f-bombs i'm sorry i'm just anxious right now the braves are playing so but penn state sean clifford he gets that like oh he's been around for a while so he must be good must be worth yeah. something because he's been around for a long time he's that he has not been he's exactly and he is they are not any good on offense so like that to your point like this is what drives me crazy guys 
I mean, you're telling me Ohio State is getting credit for beating the dog out of Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana. Oklahoma should have beat the dog out of Kansas, and you can go down the list of teams that they should have this year, right? But what's so special about those three? Well, it's because they lost to Oregon, and people have a reference point to when it hit rock bottom. With OU, nobody knows what rock bottom looks like because, well, we thought they were supposed to start killing people, like, from day one because of all this returning talent, Spencer Rattler, they finally have the defense, the recruiting, the development, Alex Grinch. There's no excuses, and they've got a soft schedule. Oh, you didn't do that, but they just did that dumb thing where they just kept winning. And people get stuck in the short-term frame of mind as a result because they don't have the, oh, oh, you finally blew it. I don't have to think about them for a few weeks. And then when you get reminded of them, they've won three or four games since then, probably have looked better, and then you go, oh, my caveman brain thinks they've improved since that loss. That's what people are going to say about Ohio State. And that's what they're going to that's what they've said after they beat, you know, inept Penn State. That's what people are going to say. Are they playing Michigan State next week? Ohio State? Um the They play yes. Nebraska? Do they play Nebraska? They have you? Nebraska yeah. this week, yeah. Purdue next week, Michigan State three. Yeah, so the Ohio State's going to walk just breeze by Nebraska and Purdue. And when people do, they're going to be like, man, like since that Oregon loss, they're a well-oiled machine. Look at it now. Look at it now, boys. And then, like, I don't even know what Michigan State is because I kind of view them the same way as I do Michigan and the same way I do as Penn State where I'm like, if you put them in a situation where they have to throw, what happens? Ohio State's going to put Michigan State in a position to throw. If OU's best player was just a running back, and we had still kept winning games, I'd be like, there is a ceiling on this. Look at B. John Robinson in Texas. There is a ceiling on when your best player and the majority of your offense is based on the ground. It's just not played that way anymore. Yeah, and they won't even throw B. John the ball right now. I mean, I, I said that about Michigan. I was like, this is cool, but tell like come to talk to me when Michigan has to throw the ball because their opponent is forcing them to, and Michigan still wins the game. And then what happens? How did Michigan lose to Michigan State? They threw an interception. So it's like Michigan okay. State also, you won't even get deeper in that game. Michigan State had two picks and plus territory in that mm-hmm. game. I mean, they moved the ball on Michigan. So, real quick, games remaining that obviously are important. Michigan State still, I, I have Michigan State losing this weekend, boys. On the road at Purdue, I don't know what they are. Yeah, I they're they're intriguing. Their defense is pretty good. Their offense is very one dimensional. Like I was trying to think about this of the playoff teams that are out in front of Oklahoma right now. Like if I had to break a game down of the teams that I've watched so far, and you know, sit here and tell you guys like there's only five teams I would take over Oklahoma on a neutral field: Georgia, Bama, Oregon. Ohio State, uh, sorry, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State. There's four. That's it. Those are the only four teams. And the Oregon's the only reason why is because Oregon's offensive coordinator. Like, that's it. Like, I – and Kayvon Thibodeau. But, like – Oregon will lose again. They, uh, speaking of games, kind of go down the list. Oregon does go on the road to Utah in three weeks. That'll be a tough game Yep, for them. So, we'll see. SP Plus hates Oregon. I mean, they're in the lower 20s. Oregon <sighs> – I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's um, They beat I, UCLA by three, Cal by seven, and got beat by seven in overtime by Stanford. Please, please don't get this wrong. I am not mad that OU is ranked number eight. In fact, I'm kind of happy that OU has something to play for now. 
and they don't get to rest on the laurels of, well, what's everybody mad for? We're 9-0. and That was the prevailing thought when they were 4-0. Remember? Like, what's, why is everybody mad at us? Like, this is why we're mad at you. Don't play dumb. So I'm glad that they have something to play for. What, I, what angers me is just this silly song and dance of we're using logic over here, but we're going to ignore that same logic over here. And yes, I, I, I recognize that you can't blanket statement every team because none of these teams are playing the same schedules. They're playing different levels of competition week to week. And also football is a weird sport where, I mean, I guess every sport's kind of weird. You can have a basketball team that's shooting lights out and then they just can't hit the broad side of a barn randomly doesn't mean that they're a worse team. They just were unfortunate that day. So with football, you can have a situation where your running back just fumbles random, like twice. You know, it just, for no reason, he just drops the ball. Um, so weird things can happen. I just get upset with these rankings and how we had high expectations for OU. And you've looked kind of bad, but you've still won. So we're going to punish you for that. Meanwhile, Wake Forest, come on down. Michigan, hey, you just lost to your rival. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It doesn't matter right now, but it will matter as time you know takes place. And hopefully OU continues to win because they should. Baylor's going to be tough, but they should win. And they should beat Iowa State. And they should beat Oklahoma State probably twice. Yes, I was going to add to that real quick. Uh, Cincinnati has a game against SMU, I believe, at home. Tanner Mordecai, great Sooner. And then Wake Forest has North Carolina, Clemson, NC State and coming up. So we'll learn a lot. I'm uh, I'm with you. Big game this weekend in Ames for Oklahoma in, in terms of I know win out and you're in. Iowa State beats Texas. They win the rest of their games. They're 8-4, and four, and they're probably ranked at the end of the year. Oklahoma really needs Oklahoma State to beat West Virginia this weekend. I think if OU needs any help outside of just taking taking care of business on their own, Baylor needs to win this week mm-hmm. to potentially make them a top-10 team. And then they need OSU to win all their games until they play Bedlam. Because I think if, if that's the way it plays out and OU wins out, I think OU and OSU will just play twice, right? Because they have the tiebreaker over OSU, over it, Baylor and Iowa, yeah, and and, I, and Iowa State. And I know Iowa, Iowa State, State will have three losses. Yeah, they'll play themselves out of it. So yeah, I think that those teams need to do what they need to do. But at the same time, like I, the only path again that I could see them leaving Oklahoma out, and it still doesn't make doesn't really make all that sense to me in the end, is Georgia Bama at C title game. Bama wins, so Bama is twelve and one. Georgia's twelve and one. They're both getting in no matter what. Yeah, but what's the game control like? <laughs> it's gonna, it's, I'm telling you, it's the most. It, it's it's almost idiotic at this point to even use it. Yeah, because what does game control mean? Like, it's if it's o, like if point. O, oh god. If OU wins sixty eight to thirty, sure. Do people look at that and go? I mean, I mean, the opponent racked up yards and they scored thirty points. That's not good defense. And then a team over here wins like thirty-one to seven. Is that better game control? How it's been relayed to me is that it's basically like what percentage of the game were you dominating, and it's like how long were you ahead by fourteen points or more is essentially how it's kind of put together. Texas so, Tech is a good example of good game control, as OU was. It was tied, and then it was 28-7 to in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And TCU would be kind of bad game control because 
Oh, you got a 14 or a 10 nothing lead or a they had a two score lead and then it be, kind of became they kept TCU at arm's length until the fourth quarter and they scored like 21 points. Yeah. In a row. So that game I think would be considered fine. It, again, I I don't know how it's put together. But like I said, it doesn't make sense anymore because like it's a good metric when everything was old fashioned, right? In terms of you know, coaches always punting it on fourth and three, you know, always kicking it a 40-plus yard field goal on fourth and four. But now, I mean, hell, look at last weekend. I mean, Oklahoma gives up 21. I mean, Tech goes for it twice on fourth down that doesn't get it. I mean, that we don't – not sitting here trying to justify, like, stat sheets or box scores or this or that, but it does make the game look different. Like, like the NFL, like, this is – you know, I was saying this to some people on Sunday, Brady, like – some of the modeling for the NFL is probably not going well because everybody's fucking going because they got an analytics department now and everybody's going forward on fourth down. It changes outcomes of games. It does. And you have to, from my perspective, I've got to be more cognizant of that. I probably wouldn't have lost Ole Miss Auburn last weekend. I mean, like I we were watching this happen live last weekend. Lane Kiffin go, went forward on fourth and seven from the 12-yard line. Last weekend. Was that the clip where uh, I saw on Twitter, like, the analytics guy was behind him and just. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. So, when the uh, bot, there's a, uh, not Ben Baldwin didn't put together, but there is a fourth down decision bot for college football, too. And when the Ole Miss one dropped, it was, like, .1, like, win percentage added. Like, that's it. Like, one-tenth. And I'm like, just kick the fucking field goal lane. No, it's very it's very visceral when you're watching your team. Like uh, the Texas game was a perfect example. They were not boo birds. There were just a lot of groans of why are you going for the field goal? I felt that same way too because I have a very I just I guess Old Testament view about sports. Either win it or die. You know, it's just right. like either just if you can't get this these two yards, then you don't deserve to win, mm-hmm. which is silly to say in the second quarter when you're down, you know, when you're, in, sure. it's not a stupid sure. amount of points to come back from, but that's how I silly in a silly way, look at sports. And I'm for the most part, I feel like I'm right. Most of the time with that, because you don't always come back from 28, seven leads or deficits, <laughs> especially <laughs> when you kick three field goals in the second and half. And you switch quarterbacks. Uh, Matt, please feel free to sit in my recliner so you can <laughs> no, see. It's okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's I just a, need to see how many outs What's the were. score? It's 3 nothing. Uh Atlanta's who's, up. One out in the top of the fifth. Who's winning? Nothing. Or it's nothing, nothing. Three, no, it's 3 nothing. nothing. 3 nothing. Atlanta. Yeah. Jorge Soler hit a moonshot. Let's go, George. 446 feet. By the way, distance on that home run, Brady. Let me before we get out of here uh, on this topic. Not get out of here on this topic. I did put all the SP plus numbers in from preseason, then week nine, and kind of looked at the changes. Baylor has improved by a touchdown this year, which is a massive number. Wow. Uh, Kansas State's up five point four points so far. Oklahoma's dropped the most, which is to be expected. They were really high up to start the year. They felt they've fallen nine points. Like if they played a, essentially what this is is if Oklahoma played an average opponent right now, like you know neutral field, whatever, they're on average eighteen points better. They're at twenty eight to start the year. So yeah, I mean Oklahoma's trending in the right direction. They're up like a point and a half since Caleb took over at quarterback, which is. Not as much as I thought it would be, considering, you know, you see me retweeting all the EPA stuff that he's doing really, really well in. Um, so, 
anyways, yeah, the three toughest defenses are remaining for Oklahoma. Two of the three toughest teams are remaining for Oklahoma. And the numbers hate Oklahoma State, which is not a surprise with how they win. <laughs> yeah. God, they're the most boring football team to watch. But And their quarterback just says, I, you know what, I want to throw it to you because I'm just a good guy. He is – you want to talk about me getting frustrated watching Spencer at times this year, Rat, Spencer Rattler. There you go. Um, Spencer Sanders, he is the most frustrating, like, high-ceiling quarterback I've ever watched. I'm trying to think of a – like – I, have we have we said Taylor Martinez before? I, I that I, was my Sanders comp. Yeah. yeah, Taylor Martinez, less less of a runner, more of a thrower. Spencer Sanders. Yeah. If Taylor Martinez could throw the ball consistently, fairly similar players, very dynamic. Is something happening? Danzy Swanson just hit a two run home run. Braves uh, aren't five, nof- five nothing. Is this the elimination game? This is to win a world. This series. is to win the World Series for the Braves. So. Well, it is an me. elimination game for the Houston Astros. Well, don't they have to play like teams from Europe? <laughs> yeah, this is just this is just the uh, what United would be the States. national the national the, championship. The national They're going to play for the world championship. Just the natty later. <laughs> no, like there's the a, there's a team. Yeah, right. No, there's a team in Toronto. So technically, North American. And isn't baseball more of a coastal north northern no. sport? No. It's a regional sport. It's a regional sport. But, I mean, classically, it's a northern and eastern sport, right? All the ba- first baseball clubs were like, oh, I guess the NFL was too. And the Yeah, and yeah, everybody kind of started in the New England-ish area and then worked their way down. So in the, New the, York, urban, the early urban part of the country. Yes. And but, then now, it, but now it's like, I guess this World Series just means more because, you know, we've got a team from Atlanta and a team from Houston. I was going to say, I was looking at this and I gazed through it. I think you'll find this interesting. Tonight was the first time only two SEC teams were in the top ten of a college football playoff ranking. If I'm, I've just gazed over this. What? Since since the first week of 2017. So it's been four years. Those three teams are cons- have been consistently either Georgia, Bama, Auburn, or LSU, by the way. Florida, those five. You, you, I don't know this for a fact, but you want to know what I think why? Because in those four, those three or four years, that's when Georgia has to play Alabama in the regular season. Or that's when Florida has to play George, or Florida has to play LSU or Alabama in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Florida LSU play; they're the rival interconference rivalry mixed SEC West and East. Basically, my point is the years where Georgia and Alabama get to avoid each other are the years where the potential is high for two SEC schools to make the playoff, mm-hmm. and how we don't already recognized that and i my foot almost cramped oh my god <laughs> that i caught that thing so quickly um oh no how we've not caught that and become aware of that is silly um but i guess that won't matter once OU and texas are in the sec because i mean the pods right everybody's gonna have a pod everybody already has a podcast mm-hmm. they will they, the sec scheduling so weird i think Georgia Bama played last year, like in 2020. I think that's the first time they've played each other in the regular season in a whole, in like four or five years. Their scheduling's, I mean, Texas A&M's played Georgia once since they've joined the league. By the way, I mean, you think about access to recruits, you think about conference affiliation, and then you think about divisional opponents. Nobody has it more made than Georgia. No. Name me anybody that has it more made than them. Them and you should probably Clemson. also Clemson. say Clemson. Yeah. Clemson. That's a Clemson. Well, I, 
this is not an argument. We're no, not you're good. You're good. Clemson you're good. Is, you're good. Clemson's not a. I mean, Georgia has a better say of being a blue blood than Clemson. Now, moving on from that hot topic debate, I guess you could also you should have to say USC. USC is also correct. USC, Georgia, Clemson, Florida, Florida State, Miami, like those six, should dominate every single year. Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom down in Austin. My goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> the story that was written for Twitter. <laughs> this is so funny. By now, you're all well aware of what's going on with the monkey business down in uh, Austin. Um, so, Jeff Banks, special teams coach? Special teams coach. I feel like we've already have – this is the best part about us is that we don't care about this stuff, and I know some people don't either. I think we've covered – the Jeff Banks backstory prior. I think whenever he got hired at Texas, we talked about yeah. the wife and <laughs> what well, else, all the other things wh- you're about once to get I st- into. <laughs> once I started reading into the story, now I don't know how much of this is true yet because I, like, I just saw this, like I saw last night on social media the same way you all saw it. But since then, basically what I'm trying to say is since then I have not like followed any leads to make sure that it was conjecture or if it wasn't true or any, anything like that. So all my knowledge is just based on what ha- transpired late Monday night when the story was starting to leak out. So apparently Jeff Banks is either married to or dating a um, woman who professionally is a stripper. which nothing, Formerly. Used for, to be. Used formerly. To be. Nothing wrong with that. We all make money in our own ways. And if... No she, judgment from me. Yeah, she chose to be a stripper. Cool. Don't care. If I could start an OnlyFans, I would do it. Yeah, I mean, I thought about it. <laughs> and then I and then I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, eh, no, no. I would be your OnlyFan. <laughs> oh, Matt, thank you. Matt doesn't miss. I've just You're said so this. Welcome. You're yeah. so welcome. <laughs> why are you? Why? Okay, stop looking at me. <laughs> thank you. Moving on. Now, so apparently said former stripper, uh, which what what is her name? I don't want to call her a former stripper. Da- da- it, we can go by two names. It can be <laughs> she has many names. She, we can go by Danielle Banks. Danielle, okay. Or we can go by Pole Assassin, which is her exotic <laughs> dancer name. Dude, that's such a good name. That's how, how many fantasy football teams have been named in the last? 24 I was thinking hours? about naming mine. <laughs> Literally. That story came out assassin. three days out too early. Could you imagine the Halloween costumes? The <sighs> Urban Meyer ones this yeah. weekend oh, were really fantastic. So many 12-year-olds on their Xbox Live accounts have changed <laughs> their usernames. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get the data. No, so apparently Miss um, Banks, Mrs. Banks, Danielle, uh, has a monkey, a pet monkey, uh, that is a part of her stage show or was a part of her stage show. Uh, the monkey is still very Gia, much... Gia, by the way. Gia, the monkey Put is Put some respect Gia, on that monkey's of course. name. The monkey is still very much alive and still very much a part of the bank's family and household. And apparently there was a, an accident uh, late Sunday evening during Halloween and the passing out of candy uh, where the monkey apparently either bit or grabbed a child and had to be ripped... Like The monkey had to be like ripped off of the kid. I, I, I hope the kid is okay. Uh, but that, you know, story has leaked, obviously. And when I remembered the name, and I remember Keegan and I talking about Jeff Banks and his recruiting prowess, <laughs> then I started putting two and two together and got, oh, that's why. That's that's why these things 
That's why some people are good recruiters. Recruiting's a nasty game. Because they have exotic animals? They have access to exotic access. animals. Access, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to start with this. Girlfriend is upstairs, so this is a great question. I hope she can hear. I'm talking very softly. So She's she watching Lord of the Rings. She's probably asleep. <laughs> Monkey's a red flag, right? I mean, we got to get that off. The, I mean, well, I'm. I I think if someone had a monkey, I'm out. I hate to be judgmental <sighs> like that that quick, but I I would say probably just because they're not normal pets. But I mean, you people can have. N- uncommon pets you like, like people s- like snakes or she said it was an emotional support animal right <laughs> yeah. my, my my concern would just be like h- how well do you take care of that monkey in terms of medical stuff like she, it's not going to spread she said it was all vaccinated i think <laughs> yeah, one of her is, is the monkey luke an johnston. anti-vaxxer <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks to the hard work of luke f johnston on twitter last night he we got down luke. to the we got down to the bottom of all of this <laughs> the bottom of the poll <laughs> he, <actually>. resp- <laughs> <laughs> he responded it asked is the monkey vaccinated could be serious <laughs> daniel Bates. So we haven't even gotten to the point where she's responding to people on Twitter last night. Um, but to, to the point here, yes, she has had all her shots. She's an emotional support animal who not to be touched. She speak by com- she speak by command of high five is how this is. I'm reading this verbatim. No one is allowed to touch her unless I myself say it. Okay, it space. Okay. Ex- Space exclamation point, by the way. She's, she's a space... She's a space... She's a space before that. the... Uh, I didn't know that. That's what all the high five stuff meant today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, her screenshots are classic. <laughs> the, the, the best part, again, I, I just want to go through my Monday night. Like, I saw this story pop up, and obviously, as you guys know from my position these days, I'm like very careful about the stuff I'm tweeting about, like very of like stuff I can actually dive into or stuff I can enjoy with you guys or do this, do whatever. And I saw the initial tweet, and I'm like, I think I was like with everybody, like that's total bullshit, like that's no big deal. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> and then two hours, and then three hours later, a message pops up in my GM, and it says it's from Danielle Banks, and it's like why are people making up basically all these stories or this story? And I'm like, Oh God, she's tweeting. And then I saw, I don't know. We don't talk about him on this podcast, but Barstool sports BFT commenter who everybody on the planet knows is just satire. Completely great response. Are you, is the monkey and the child? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, she doesn't realize that everybody's just trolling her at this point. And so she's just responding to him on yeah oh, the monkey, and she uh, <laughs> she admits that the situation happens on Twitter <laughs> for everybody to see, and uh, no. she all not only does that Brady, she takes a video walking us through the entire situation, and then it comes out later. I think someone responded to it and was like, "Yeah, her kids, mother. It's we don't know if it's Jeff Banks's kids or her kids." Uh, Jeff Banks, whoever it was, their children like walked these kids out to the back or something and let them into the <laughs> let them into the <laughs> So by the way, we didn't touch on this. Jeff Banks, again, no judge, no not being judgmental at all here. People make their decisions. Um, 
Jeff Banks left his wife and children for pole assassin. <laughs> With a name like that, I mean, it's pretty obvious. He was assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just imagine their kids like, come look at what my mommy's monkey does. I know. She uses it for her act. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then one of the other kids is like, yeah, my dad talked about her act. We're, we're, <laughs> we're breaking new ground here. We don't typically, fortunately, since Through the Keyhole has been a podcast, we haven't really had to cover... It, basically, we weren't a podcast during the Art Bryles era. Sure, and thankfully, uh, when you do podcasts about sports, you don't. You just typically want to talk about the sports. You don't want to talk about some of the terrible extracurriculars that can occur in human activity. This is kind of like a fringe thing because again, I'm not. I'm not going to shame a woman for what she wants to do professionally. I'm not going to shame her for having a pet monkey. Some people have pet snakes, and I'm like, why? I I hate spiders. If you have a pet tarantula, no, I'm not coming to your house. I don't care. I don't want I don't want it to crawl. I don't care that it's not poisonous. I don't want to see the damn thing. It's that simple. But I mean, the the big message here, you know, we should have said it at the top, but Texas said no thank you to Mike Stoops. That did and, happen. And they said yes please to Jeff Banks and all the optical baggage that has come with it. Because again, nothing he's done nothing wrong. I mean, hopefully the child is okay, and if uh, I mean, I would assume it's being treated like if a dog bit a child. Unfortunately, if you know the parents are upset, then some grave things need to take place afterwards. Um, but nothing wrong has happened in terms of hiring Jeff Banks. But football coaches, football programs, a lot of it is PR. And you said no to Mike Stoops because Twitter. And <laughs> made up some addiction story that he had, so Texas what, donors made up. Uh, is, Remember was that, that? Was that their justification? I mean, th- they said no to Mike because Twitter laughed at it for a good six hours, and well, and OU Twitter welcomed it because, like, oh great, we get to exercise some demons like this quickly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they, and it's just Texas will never get out of their own way, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, two things. One, Jeff Banks is a special teams coach. Coaches hold dinners and events at their house. So, that means the punters and all the specialists have been over there before, I'm assuming. Which makes this even funnier. Like, Have they seen the act? I mean, monkey? <laughs> I mean, monkey? <laughs> it would, you know what would make more sense if somebody had a monkey? Let's if, get Dicker the kicker on and see if what Gabe he's. Burkich just had a monkey without con- be, without context. Me. Like every, every time he like popped up on the Zoom press conference and there was just a monkey on his shoulder, and he's like, "Yeah, this is my pet." I wouldn't bat an eye. He, he named it. He he names it Abu. <laughs> like that would make more sense from Gabe Burkich. Here's the other. Here's my last thing. Let's picture like Texas special teams going to the Jeff Banks's house, and it's like the Temple of Doom, where they're eating out of monkey skulls. Chilled monkey brain. I mean, what does Jeff Banks do walking into the coaches' offices this morning? I mean, you got to walk into his team. You got to own it. Uh, you got to own it, right? I mean, just just walk in there and, and you know his kickers laughing at his face in front of him, being like, "Hey, I made some poor life choices. Just don't do what I do. Quit monkeying around, coach." <laughs> so some just real quick finalize this some deleted tweets from last night so we can laugh a little bit more 
from Daniel Banks. An 11, 12-year-old child should know better than to enter someone's yard without permission and old enough to also follow the rules. The rules were when you get to the gate, turn and come back out for candy. Every other parent and child did so. (laughs) Every school child knows this. (laughs) (laughs) She said people lie so much it's ridiculous. Stop believing everything you hear and more of what you see. That's when our that's when PFT got involved and said, I don't want to believe it. Is your monkey and the child okay? <laughs> <laughs> she, she responds and goes, no one was officially attacked. This is a lie, a whole lie. She was not a part of any haunted house. The kid did not have permission to be on the other side of my brain. <laughs> fucking kid. How dare you? Are, you? are we placing the blame on the child? Victim How blaming. How dare Victim blaming. you? Victim blaming. <laughs> the best part is that there's uh, pictures in, that she posted over the summer on Twitter where it's like the monkey biting a doll's like head off or something. <laughs> <laughs> it basically, I think the caption was like, like even daddy can get attacked or something. It, is she like the Wicked Witch of the West? <laughs> Does she have like a horde of flying monkeys that she just sends out into the world to do her bidding? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think she's like, I don't. I've never, again, no judge, no judge, not judging at all here. But <laughs> I've never been or like in a like friendship relationship with a person that is a, a you know an exotic dancer. I'll be PC here. I've never been in one. But if I had, I think it would be a very similar to what we saw on Twitter <laughs> last night. <laughs> like I don't think th- I think this is like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Is like for these very famous, I mean, she was on the freaking Jerry Springer show, guys. Pole dancing. Do you think that's Jerry, why the monkey's Jerry. mad and biting people? He misses performing. Yeah, it's like or she <laughs> she he's been locked been up. Locked for up. Too long. He or she Wait, is it a he or she the is monkey. It Gia? Gia. Gia. Okay, so she, probably she, a she. She's, she's like she. I'm a star. I'm a star, <laughs> and then now you have me cooped up in this kennel. Yeah, I'm not. So a yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bite this little kid's finger. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give. This I want to be back on the pole, I'm mom. Give, I'm gonna give this kid monkey nucleosis. Somebody's daughter up there. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Again, I'm like a bird. You gotta let me fly, mom. Yeah. Everybody out there, whatever you want to do, as long as it doesn't harm somebody else, and it's constructive, whether that be towards society or yourself. If Go out and do it. Don't let anybody, even exactly. us podcasters, make you think twice about I want to make this clear, too, just because I know I'm, we're, we're just joking about it. I really don't care that she's was an ex-stripper or anything. Like, I don't even care that Jeff Banks, it like, was just one I don't even care that Jeff Banks, like, you know, fell in love with her and was like, hey, sorry, family. Like, dude, like that, that kind of stuff happens all the time, too. So I, I don't even, like, people can no, make their own choices. And no like, judging for no judging. I ju- it's just a hilarious just comedy of error, like a snowball effect and it's Texas. of stuff. Yeah, and it's Texas. And it's just, yeah. It was just one of those stories that you kept peeling back and thought... It's like an it, Onion it article. Can't, it can't it's like, be worse. Oh, well, my she just, God. She just kept tweeting. I mean, <laughs> talk about... She was peeling the onion for us last night. I mean, dude, the, the headline of it, it literally looked like a headline from The Onion. Like, it, it, if crazy. you search Texas football monkey, if, if you're trying to get caught up on this, just search it in your Google, Google sphere. And click on the TMZ, which TMZ's on it. Brady, I thought this was this was hilarious last night. Not a single, to this day, I just looked this up, not a single credentialed Texas media website has written on this. Yeah, because it's like, how do we attack this? 
<laughs> this is not poignant, but my goodness, it's news. The pa- and we're, but the we're page views. People. But the page, I mean, I cannot imagine being an editor last night sitting there as like one of those people and being like, how can we not write on this? Like how there's literally everybody, there were non-football, like national sports writers I followed, like joking and tweeting about this. This thing went from zero to 100 so fast. So Thomas Campbell, our valiant hero in Houston, Texas, thank you for bringing this to light. I know you'll never hear this, but I really do appreciate it because it made it, it literally made my entire week on a Monday. Like nothing, knock on wood, I need good things to keep happening, but nothing good happens usually on a Monday. That definitely brought some light to my week. So, I mean, my God. It was delicious. It was so good. It was so good. Anything else, fellas? Anything OU related? It's a bye week. So, I mean, Lincoln talked today, didn't he? Yeah, and he talked a l- some about some interesting stuff. He made some comments on Gary Patterson and coaches leaving early. Caleb being allowed to talk to the media was another big talking point today. What did Lincoln say? Uh, it's just our policy with freshmen. Uh, it, it's uh, it's our policy. No, it's it's your policy. <laughs> yes, said he carried over from the Bob years. Actually, he brought that up. So, well, isn't that a shame? And you've got to earn that trust to be able to speak to the media. I mean, I sent that video to you guys last week. Like, is Jay Knowles not going to be allowed to do a broadcast now? Because he's talking trash about Texas Tech on a weather broadcast. I hope you all got that whenever yes. I said it. Um, but, uh, but no, he talked about that. The The only thing I got is I, I know people with me, like Caleb Williams is obviously a very hot topic, kind of like where I'm, where I'm at, like where things have been at. And I know – you know, it's been a very hot topic lately. Um, I showed this to you guys before we came on, uh, heading into the bye week. I don't think you could have asked for anything more. Like, Caleb wasn't perfect against Texas Tech. It's not supposed to be. You, pe- our patrons that have watched the All-22 uh, so far, those that have, understand that, that really for the first, like, half the game, that there were still some things like, you know, <laughs> it sounds stupid to even bring this up, but the Mario Williams touchdown. Like, Mario Williams was already wide open, like, if he wasn't focused on a single receiver. But, as I showed Brady, something I've been harping on this entire season, especially with all these young quarterbacks, is that you want to see growth game to game, but also growth in game. And I showed three plays to you guys. Uh, Two of those came in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter of the game on Saturday. And, like, that can carry me for the next... 20 games. I, I said 20 games to you, Brady. It's probably a little too long. He's probably got 10 more to really kind of get his confidence, nail this stuff down. Maybe, you know, Texas game next year was probably a right benchmark date to really focus on. But uh, regardless of that, he, I, he took a step in the right direction on Saturday. I mean, I think when you're talking about a 19-year-old kid, you know, making a mistake on one play in the first quarter and then in the fourth quarter turning around and be able to learn from that mistake, not just learn from it, but the route that was open to Mims early in the game, he noticed that the corner was dropping with him, whipped his head around, found Mario Williams in anticipation throw, throw into a window that was not open quite yet, but threw it into it. And you're talking about, again, a 18, 19-year-old that's starting to get some of the stuff. That's really, really, really exciting. And I am very much looking forward to how he performs down the stretch. But as I said to you guys, like, at this point, like, I'm bought long-term. 
Like, I, that's kind of where I was at with Spencer after um, the Kansas State game this year, which or after the West Virginia game. And but obviously, good lord, that that stock tanked immediately. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at now. Like, I I, I think it's uh, you know we'll get into more of the offensive line. I think and defense over on our Thursday, Friday, or Saturday when we record kind of the things from Tech as well as looking in the past for the season. But really, for the first time. This through nine games, Brady. I, you know, I feel like they have a quarterback that's willing to grow within himself. Like, and I, I think that's really important. Like to have a quarterback that you can tell in the tape that he's willing to work and he's willing to learn. And I don't know if Oklahoma had that before thirteen got in. Like, I, I, I freely, I feel pretty confident saying that they didn't have that. So, I feel a lot better about about him. Baylor's going to be a test. Texas or Iowa State's going to be a test. Oklahoma State's going to be a test. But he passed a very important one against Texas Tech. And I, as I said in the post on the Patreon of the All-22, I hope that he can carry that into the bye week, Brady, and I hope that he can carry that into Baylor. Because if he does, there's going to be some holes in this Baylor defense that he's going to be able to attack. They're going to be quick, tight windows. He's going to have to – the timing is going to have to be really good. Uh, but, again, like I said, he showcased that in the second half against Texas Tech. There's a lot of really – I mean, I'm sitting here gushing over him. Good moments. And for you guys, both of you guys know that have listened to me for a long time, even with Spencer, like I don't sit here and gush over, you know, X, Y, and Z too often. They were really, really good in the second half against Tech, and it was really good to see. That's my uh, that's my final thing I need yeah. to get out. Um, I mean, in order for me to remain logical, because if I'm going to complain about the committee not holding logic, then I need, I need to be on my best behavior keeping my own. I would say, you know, when we were having the defense, the defense conversations over the last few weeks, it's like, okay, yeah, they've sucked and it's been frustrating, but I cannot fully say that Alex Grinch has failed this year or needs to be fired or whatever the conversation was at the time until they get their guys back. And if they play like the same way, if they play, they're awful, then yes, that's when you can start making those declarative statements. Mm -hmm. So it's just to be fair. So as great as Caleb Williams has been, and it's been incredible, as awesome as it's been to watch him improve from game to game, but also in-game, and then also just make plays that humans just don't make. Mm -hmm. Normal, mortal football players don't make. He still hasn't played a defense worth a lick. So he has to he has to answer that call as well. But I think we've seen just enough to at least assume comfortably and safely that, oh, you may very well lose a game, but if it's because Caleb Williams just all of a sudden plays like an 18-year-old who has no idea what he's doing, that would shock all of us. At this point, yeah. He, he can throw a pick or fumble the ball, but, I mean, he's already thrown a, an awful pick, and he rebounded from that. He's missed guys wide open on, on concept plays, and then you showed me, Keegan, right before we started recording, uh, in-game, responds and recovers and makes doesn't make the same mistake twice. So Baylor's defense, very good. I don't think it's super elite to the point where oh, I don't I don't know if Caleb they won't be this. overwhelming yeah. like physically in the backfield kind of thing. yeah Caleb will be able to make his plays so even if he's making a mistake or two that's that's the thing is he cannot make so many mistakes but I, I've not seen Caleb Williams play like a true freshman typically would play yet because yes Texas isn't very good but he still walked into the Cotton Bowl down twenty eight to seven got it to twenty eight fourteen then walked in when it was 31-17, and then let it come back. So 
I don't think he's going to be phased by Waco's atmosphere. No. I don't think he's going to be phased by anything Baylor is going to be trying to throw at him. It might confuse him for a second or two, but I have the full confidence that he can rebound from it. It's just going to really come down to the rest of the team as well. And I wanted to say, uh, or I feel pretty good about this, uh, the thing I wrote on Friday about Oklahoma wanting in the tw- get in the 12 personnel, when you guys both watched the All-22 from the Tech game, uh, very apparent. First play of the game, Brady, they come out with two tight ends on the field. Texas Tech commits eight to the run game. If Oklahoma had one tight end on the field, they committed seven to the run game. Texas Tech was always committing an extra defender in the box that Oklahoma couldn't block. And that just happens. Like, it's a numbers advantage, numbers mismatch, and those things happen. So, I felt a lot better. Trust me. <laughs> Saturday, after seeing Caleb, like, throw it all over the yard, I'm like, well, shit, did I get lied to again? And then I went and plugged in the tape. And it's like, oh, no, Oklahoma wanted to do that. Texas Tech just chose and said, no, you're not. You're not going to do that today. And whenever you run the same – uh, I can sit here even from my sense and comfortably say this to you guys, and usually I don't about defense, and Brady knows this. When they played single high safety, they played cover one the entire time. If they had three safeties, they played Tampa two the entire game. As I said on Twitter, Brady, it makes a lot of sense why Tech and TCU both wanted to make coaching changes. <laughs> yeah, I guess should we also kind of say something? About, I mean, you mentioned it like 10 minutes ago about Gary Patterson getting the axe. So, I mean... It's, uh, we're getting older, everybody. It's weird. I mean, AD's back in the league, so we still have that little bit of a, at least I have that little bit of a bridge to my childhood Sooner fan days, uh, where I thought all these guys were gladiators or superheroes, and I mean, Adrian Peterson's probably the closest one to, like, an actual He's a real gladiator. Yeah, and with Tennessee's offense, like, yeah, AD's up there in age, it's, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle for even him. But if anybody can do it, it's AD, and on any team, it would be Tennessee because they are designed to just hand the running back the ball 20 times. And if AD can just simply handle that, he's going to break a tackle and have nothing but green in front of him. You see they also picked up uh, Deontay Foreman. Yes. thought that was pretty cool. Big 12, soon-to-be SEC backfield. Former Oklahoma. Didn't wasn't was he was he committed or was it his brother? I think his brother was. Brother was at some point. So – yeah, I mean, Gary Patterson, no longer at TCU. Uh, my first OU thought is, we can have as defensive analyst in the future. No, I don't think. I think he's a. I don't think he's going to coach again. I, he's got to be TV bound. I mean, he's going to make. He can almost probably make more money doing that than he does dealing with recruiting and NIL on a daily basis. So he's. <laughs> we all he's know gonna, he doesn't want to do that. He's going to be playing. <laughs> he's going to be playing some folk songs. While the pole assassin interpretive dances. <laughs> they, all the lead-in music to the college ball ranking shows just take a step back by Gary Patterson moving forward. <laughs> uh, it's it's um it's weird. Gary Patterson's a really good coach, and I mean he's been he was at TCU f- from like what ninety eight ninety nine ninety nine ninety nine. So they were in the whack. Yeah, and that was. Uh, Lede and Tomlinson had already left TCU, right? I think he was a one grad. He's a one grad. Believe it or not, I when was he a Heisman finalist? I don't know. I, but no, it, might, it must have been ninety nine because two. Th- I, I was thinking about two thousand because that was ninety nine was Bob's first year. The two thousand Heisman finalists were Drew Brees, Winky, and Heupel. And I guess the year before was 
Ladainian Tomlinson and his final year at TCU was 2000. He was there oh. from 97 to 2000. So Ladainian Tomlinson wasn't a Heisman finalist. I don't know. It's a good good that question. Is, that is weird. I mean, I would assume he is. He only had 2,000 yards rushing and back-to-back seasons, basically. Yeah, like the weird thing is, and this is going to sound very snarky. I want to say, like, you know, good job, worthy adversary, but he has beaten OU 2005, 2014, and that's it. That's it. He has gotten close to beating OU 2015, 2016, 20, 20, 2019. 20, need a 2019. Radley, need a Buki Radley Hiles game-winning interception. Um, that's it. 2012 was technically close, I think. That was close in Fort Worth. Yeah, that it was, was a touchdown game. And they played each other as non-conference teams in 2008, and OU won like 35 to seven. But I remember that game, like TCU's defense was, but that that was the Andy Dalton TCU teams, and they were legitimately good. And OU didn't really pull away until like the second half. So I think that was like 21-7 at half or something like that. So um, no, it's just it's weird, but. It'll be interesting to see where TCU goes, and I wonder if a lot of schools that are kind of in the same category as TCU start making tough decisions like this, where they think, well, we can't commit a lot of money to you because you deserve it, because we can't do any better, and you have this track record, but we don't know what we're going to be in the next two to th- two to five years financially. Right. They're in a weird spot. Them and Tech specifically are in a really – I think I'm – Tell, correct me if I'm using the wrong word. Precarious, 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 vicarious, precarious, precocious. Maybe Matt, you're our producer. Precarious. There, you, thank you, Matt. And uh, thank you for not watching. I think baseball. I don't know. I but just I just said that confidently. If this was the so. Cardinals game, this podcast wouldn't even be happening. I'm just gonna be. I'm kidding. Anyways, I uh, I was gonna say it's there for one. Gary Patterson, Brady, you'll res- you'll understand this and respect this a lot. He had in the during his time in the Big Twelve, so he had a decade. Over fifty percent of those seasons, they had an SP plus defense in the top twenty. Just an unbelievable number. Nine of those ten seasons, Brady, he had an SP plus defense in the top forty. This year is the only one that's under it. They are seventy sixth. Oh, oh no! Yeah, it felt it felt bad this year, and so he's a he's a legend in the game. The four-two-five is a thing because of him uh, that teams feel comfortable getting into base nickel packages. Those that's because of Gary, and he's done a lot. I mean, you, you know, you talk to people down at, with TCU and like kind of get their perspective on it. Obviously, I'm close with Parker Fleming, but a lot of others, like I didn't realize that he gets a lot of credit. I don't know if you've been. Have you been down to the bar scene in Fort Worth? Well, one the- one time when I was an undergrad. So uh, it was pretty fun. I I love it. But they basically, from what I understand, that entire downtown from because the college kids aspect of it as well, that bar area, as well as all the area around TCU's campus. Like none of that happens if Gary Patterson's not at TCU. Yeah. I mean, football is a driving force in, in this part of the country. So he's meant a lot to the game. And like, it's sad to see him go. And especially in the way that he did, like he didn't get his rightful moment to kind of you know, hang it up and do those things. But this is also a sport that's in a weird calendar. I mean, you have the early signing period on December 15th. 
players need to know who's the coach, what's the plan, these things, and those things need to happen. Um, and then to the hire, I they have some. I kind of like the list of names that's being thrown out there. I don't like Sonny Dykes. Like I don't. I think that's just a. I was going to say transitive. Lateral move. A lateral move. Thanks, guys. Uh, a lateral move for him as well as TCU. He's an older guy, like not a huge fan of that. They don't recruit, even for SMU, they don't recruit as, you know better than I think what they should. Uh, the name that's being thrown out that I really enjoy is Mike Elko, the DC that's an A&M. I think that would be a fantastic hire by TCU. They say they want to go offensive-minded. Has Graham Harrell just been completely disappointing? Brady, we're going to have a Graham Harrell discussion here in about four weeks about him being an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. I'm I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying that if that if if no one has picked him up and he's out there, like Lincoln needs to find a way to make that happen. But Billy Napier is the other one that's thrown around at TCU. It seems like he's interested in that yeah, job TCU too. TCU is just I mean. It's what kind of job is and, and what what Teddy, kind of job T- is Teddy that? Lehman was on with Eddie and Todd the other day on the franchise and he said that he thought TCU was a really good job and I just I don't see it unless you just are only thinking well they're in DFW so they have access to recruits I'm like well yeah but are they getting them and they're too they're in too big of a conference to do what SMU and other schools are doing and just kind of live through the transfer portal and that's that can give you success. Clearly, look at SMU, but you have a cap, and like, how consistent is that? I guess it's kind of the modern day Bill Snyder formula, where Bill Snyder's Kansas State teams of the '90s were just—they would get their their skill position guys, they would get their lockets, and then they would just raid the JUCO ranks, and they would get all these gigantic, fast defensive linemen and linebackers, and just blitz you every play. And that brought them a lot of success, but it did have a cap on it, unfortunately, for them. Um, I, I just don't know what TCU is, and especially with where the Big 12 is going, I don't know what that means to even potential hires. Like, even even somebody like a Napier or, or somebody like a Graham Harrell who might be looking for their first foray into the head coaching ranks, like, do you really want to start somewhere where you will be a Power 5 conference right now, but what about tomorrow? What about next year? Like, how does that affect your recruiting? So. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a tough spot, but for Gary Patterson, like I kind of see him. He is a lifer at TCU, and his life as a TCU head coach is over. So I kind of see him basically as like Bob Stoops now for them, where he might be in media, he might be doing something, he might still be involved with the athletic program at TCU. I think I just read a story earlier today where he reported to the uh, off the football offices on Monday and is helped, that not pretty cool? Helped with their game plan or the game plan that he implemented for Baylor. He's helping the the coaching staff now just as a volunteer. Red Dirt Sports Suite on that was pretty good. What do you say? He said, uh, Gary, something uh, along the lines of like, to the administrators, like Gary Patterson's like, F you, but he F you Baylor more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's his swan song. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, it makes, makes complete sense. Uh, I would say TCU, it does have a cap. Like, I, I'm with you there. I think their recruiting's been interesting. I know you. I, I sent you guys the picture of kind of their blue chip ratio stuff. I mean, they are the third best recruiter in this league, and they're in the twenty percent, which is like ten percent higher than they were at three or four years ago. I don't know, like you said, with the conference change, like if they can, if that can get higher, if they can get into the thirties or even low forties. Like, I'm unsure of that, but I think if you can get the right coach in there, 
TCU, unlike Oklahoma State, like I feel like Oklahoma State, once they move on from Gundy, it becomes a, a stepping stone job a little bit for yeah. future coaches. I do think TCU has an element to it of if you're here and you're here for eight years because of where we're located, like you could probably do some pretty cool stuff here. Uh, but that coach is going to have to come in and work his ass off. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to crew against Baylor, Texas, Houston now that's in their league, Texas that's in their league. They're going to have to evaluate against Gundy's staff at a high level. I mean, if you want to win all those battles, you can right now against Oklahoma State, especially for skill guys. So, I mean, it's a it's a tough position. So, I'm, I'm intrigued to see who takes it, who they offer for one, and who takes it. I – Man, if they could swing the fences and go get Napier for like five years, that would be. I think they'd be pretty well off. But again, I I don't know because here's the other kicker too that you know the caveat to all this now is one how many players stay at TCU all the good ones because you have a one time transfer now and how many of the commitments do they have? They've already lost two or three. They're expected to lose more. So it's a uh, that's that comes with job changes and transitions. So we'll see. But it does kind of suck, Brady from. Call it from a college football fan aspect here. Lincoln isn't wrong when he says it sucks, like it's not right. But that is the calendar we're in these days, man, which is new and different. And these schools feel like they have to have coaches by the early signing period. So it's it's all fun. It's all fun. Uh, uh, Clay Helton got a job today. Do you see that? Georgia Southern. What the hell are they doing? It's a name. Speaking of recruiting, OU got Rodney Anderson's little brother. They did. They flipped him from Oregon, so that does kind of take some of the sting of losing all the receivers in the 2022 class. We'll see. We'll see. He's big, tall, skinny right now. Good genetics to get stronger, <laughs> clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have you seen Rodney's dad? Have you seen their dad? Dad's a big old man. I, I was telling my group chat um, the other day, because they have a is there another Anderson that plays football somewhere else? Ryder Anderson, yeah, he was at Ole Miss. He's in Missouri now. So he may get drafted. So there's this three year. three brothers. I don't know how many there are. I just know those three. But they're all they're all related. Yeah, brothers or cousins or what have you. Brothers, I'm pretty sure of the same Anderson clan. I would say we as OU we need to make them our lockets right now. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we need to get that family down. Because, like you said, I mean, Rodney Anderson looks great. And, hey, I mean, OU, they've got a lot of fast receivers. they got a lot of kind of shorter, fast receivers. But they've never really had a TCU guy who can just take the ball out of out of midair. That dude from TCU, or that, that dude from Texas Tech, or Quentin Johnston from TCU. And Azamuka from, T- from Texas Tech? Azukamba. Azukamba. Mm-hmm. My apologies. Um, yeah. Cool. I mean, flip from a good recruiter in Oregon. I see him potentially being the H, like the Drake Stoops spot where he, Drake Stoops plays. Mm-hmm. Like, and I want to say this too. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like, oh, let's not waste a scholarship kind of thing, Brady. Because now you've got a guy, like say they go get the Gavin Freeman kid that a lot of people are still talking about that's committed to Texas Tech, the guy that's at Heritage Hall right now. He's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, like mid 4'4 four, four runner. I mean, he's the small white guy that goes to Heritage Hall to Tech to the Patriots, Wes Welkerish. But I I kind of have this idea and this kind of thought of, for Oklahoma's sake, like 
I don't think it's crazy. You get 85 scholarships. You need 60. You need to maximize like 60 of those a year. Like that's it. Like if you can get the 44 guys that you have playing on a regular basis to play well, and then you can develop 15 to 16 guys really, really well. Yeah, you're you're in a good spot. Those 60 to 85 scholarship guys, like I don't think it's an awful idea. One, you want to build depth. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you you don't want year to year to be terrible. But if you say five of those guys are five star heart kind of guys that want to come play at Oklahoma, they want to give the university everything they can get. Like, I don't think that's a bad idea. And I feel like that's what they got in. Like, I don't know if Nicholas Anderson right now. I would kind of forecasting it like I don't know if he makes a major impact at Oklahoma ever but say injury bugs happen and you have a guy like that that is involved in the program he's a hundred percent bought in and he's going to come in and give you a hundred percent effort on, in that game I would much prefer to have that than oh not to throw anybody under the bus here I mean who green <laughs> Jeffrey Mead like don't get me wrong; those are Oklahoma kids, but those kids were clearly not a; those guys were clearly not a hundred percent bought in to, to Oklahoma. This kid comes, gets offered last week, comes to a visit, commits because he's Rodney Anderson's brother. He wants to be at Oklahoma. I think that's a good thing to have, like to have those kinds of guys, whether they make a huge impact at the school or not. Having those guys in practice in those meeting rooms that are hundred percent bought in, that don't have always have one foot out the door. Like I think those are some good guys to to be able to kind of stockpile here. For Lincoln, um, down this, you know, in this weird world that we're in now, Brady, where <laughs> you're could be replacing like your attrition rate each year could be ten plus guys, and you have no control over that. Oh, yikes! What are you guys gonna do this weekend? The slate's okay. I mean, I'll be watching ball. I've been doing it all day the last two days. So, I mean, you know me. I'll be. I'll be watching games yeah. and chilling out and playing Call of Duty and doing my thing. Burton? Matt? Oh, man. This is a uh, Saturday where I don't have to wake up early. I am sleeping. There you I go. I am sleeping in as much as I can. It's a bye week for Matt Burton. And then, I'll well. watch, and then I'll watch football. So you guys going to record a podcast this week? We will. On what? What day, Matt? Friday? Saturday? Sunday? For oh okay yeah I Just didn't know work, what you're doing work yeah, with okay. us here okay be yeah. professional yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I didn't know he will be punished soon I don't know what you guys want, I don't know what you you're want about to, say. to hear why he was asking yeah I yes so here's the awkward thing I have to say and I, I saved it for the end because we all wanted to scream about the playoff rankings that's what that's what you all care about listening to this podcast that's what I would want to listen to I don't I don't care except for like some podcasts that I know uh, host personally like for instance you know shout out. Lee and Grant Benson, you guys came to the tailgate last Saturday, and we had a good time. So thank you guys so very much. Um, but my time at Through the Keyhole has come to a uh, not a triumphant end because it's just over now. This will be the last podcast that I'll be on. Uh, Through the Keyhole will continue. Uh, I'm just not a part of it anymore. The uh, new gig I got with OU... Um, it's just best that I kind of remove myself from talking about the institution that I'm ultimately working for. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not a content writer for the athletic department, but I am a content writer for the university of Oklahoma. So it's just 
okay, here's what happened. They found my Bob Stoops tweets, guys, and I thought I deleted it all. <laughs> and uh, they took me into the office, and then they re-educated me about Bob Stoops. And uh, Bob is great. Uh, he is a legend, and he is without flaw. They were, they were all just hanging out, Brady. They were very proud of you for hiring you, and then they saw your tweet last week in all caps of "We are close" with a period in between. <laughs> we are close. No, no I'll ju- I say that all in, in, you know, just all jokes aside. Uh, I guess I just got to be a big boy now, and I like my job. I like the potential I have with this. Uh, but like I said, Keyhole will continue. Um, I'll try to help facilitate, you know, maybe adding a third host here and there to help Keegan and Matt. Not that they need help, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep listening. So I hope you guys all continue listening. I hope you guys all continue with the Patreon page because they are going to take it uh, much higher than it's been already. So I'm excited for that. But I just I basically asked them because we talked about it at work today. And I just said, let me do one more episode. And so it's just not, I'm just not on it anymore. So just wanted to say thank you, everybody, so very much for listening to this podcast since I've been on it. When we started it with Rufus Alexander and John Hoover, uh, when it was inside OU. And it was a lot of fun then. We gained an audience. And then Rufus got let go, and then John got let go, and they've since gone on to do awesome things in their own rights. And then I was without a podcast host. And then the pandemic hit, and that sucked for everybody for different reasons, but sucked overall. And then got to ask Keegan to be a part of it, and then we had a silly idea about making a Patreon page to, uh, I guess, kind of hold back the pay cuts (laughs) as much as possible. And that saw some success, and thank you all so very much for that as well. And then for the last two months, we've had Matt Burton be a part of it. So thankfully, you know, Matt said yes. Thankfully, I wanted to ask him just because now you guys are used to Matt, and you're going to have to talk more, dude. Wait, you didn't No, yeah. You didn't say that was part of Yeah. Okay. Keegan just starts hitting rec- his, he just Keegan just hits record. <laughs> someone's got to <laughs> someone's got to hold my ass accountable. <laughs> and, then, and just talks and then my outlandish takes. I mean the Braves are they're done playing after tonight, right? Is this game going to end? No, if they it's, don't it's win, ba- it's baseball. If they don't win, yeah. then they play another one. It's it's baseball. So do not jinx me, please. And, probably, then, and then spring training's in like sixty days. Oh. <laughs> right. oh my God. That is. Ugh. No, Brady, this is the this is the part where you get to be quiet and we get to say good things. Uh, as Brady said, it was about a, a 14, 15 months ago, but Brady and I have known each other for five, six years. He's been a, a big mentor to me in this business and walking me through some tough times, even tough times today. Uh, last year was not easy, as he said, for everybody, and... Uh, you know, texting me, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And then the next podcast comes, he goes, hey, why don't we just do this? And he's never, you've never flinched, fearless. You mean a lot to me. I know you mean a lot to Matt. And uh, yeah, I can, my thanks can go on and on and on and giving me a platform to continue to grow what I do, but hope hopefully, you know, being able to grow what we did and it's all worked out great. We've got a great listening base. You developed a podcast and you put together a podcast and 
that is well respected, I think, in this market. And you gave it everything you got, man. Every every day. I mean, to this to this job, to everything that you want to do, and wanted to say one, I'm proud. I'm proud to know you. Proud that we're close. And two, I'm. He, he said it. He said the word. <laughs> and two, I'm. Uh, I'm thankful for you as a person. Way beyond this, we our relationship goes way beyond this. We have had our differences at times, um, as everybody seems to have with me. It seems to be a personal thing with me, man. I don't know how that happens, but I. Uh, no, I uh, thankful for you, man, and I'm so happy you got a job that can take care of the rest of your life because I know that's something you've been looking forward to to having. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you're still in my ear telling me how wrong I am all the time because trust me, it means it means a lot more than than you think it does. Why, I do. It why does. Won't he praise Caleb Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it doesn't go in one ear and out the other. I can promise you that. So that's all I. That's all I got to say. I don't know if Matt has any. Yeah, I do. Man, I just really just thank you for bringing me onto this. I know <laughs> I hate it's you. hard for me and you. To, it's hard for me and you to be serious because we just we say the most you guys random see stuff. Our group chat. Yeah, we say the most random stuff to each other all the time. We basically speak in like shit posting. Like that's basically me and Brady's <laughs> conversation. But no, I'm I'm happy. Obviously, that you you know asked me to do this. I mean. Me and you, we've we've done you know thunder. If it's thunder post games or OU post games or whatever, we, you know, during those thunder post games, we spent a lot of the time not watching the thunder game, but just like <laughs> talking about just like the most random stuff in the world. But then we'd also talk about you know how kind of a struggle this business, like this sort of business, is. Um, and you've done a good job talking me, you know, off the ledge a couple times and. Or at least just putting my mind more at ease about, you know, kind of the struggles I've had with, you know, kind of trying to find my way in this whole radio and uh, kind of media business. So, uh, no, I appreciate you. I mean, I I knew Ke- we had, me and Keegan had followed each other, but now me and Keegan have actually like, you know, hung out, done some, done some podcasts together. And uh, Keegan's a great guy to know in this you know, especially in this like space too. So, uh, he's a great guy to learn from and, but dude, yeah, for you, Brady, I mean, dude, you know, you know, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm happy for you with whatever you do, whatever, whatever you decide to do. And yeah, no, you're, you're, you're my guy, dude. You're my guy. Oh, thank you guys. Well, that's the last nice things that we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. You guys suck and it's okay. <laughs> I'm glad you guys don't get to come into my kitchen anymore. I hope you get bit by Gia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn into a mutant. <laughs> Somebody help me. But when you, when you, I hope when you write your that child needs to be studied. We know this, right? <laughs> yes. The government's going to come and say, "Ma'am, we have to take your child." <laughs> I hope you find a way to get some sort of monkey business into your first story for Oklahoma. I just want to say that I've already written it, and yeah, there were no, there were no monkey. No mm. monkey business in that one. Mm. Don't know how much monkey business I can I can have. I, I'll have my a different level of fun, but um, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But I'm thankful for my new OU opportunity, my new career opportunity, and I'm thankful once again for you guys, uh, John Hoover, Rufus Alexander, any guest I've ever had on this podcast, all the way from Kamiar Morabian, Stephen Brown, mm-hmm. Lee and Grant Benson. 
uh, Sam Mays, Wes Sims, my dad, my friend Matt Kember, uh, Ryan Chapman, Christine Butterfield during lockdown. Um, I think that's about it, unless we've had other random people. We've had people on the Patreon page this past off season. Uh, Keegan, you just did a interview with Trent Rattery. Um, that you'll, I guess, you'll put out later this week. So yeah, it's whenever. Yeah, I mean, like this week's going to be very kind of hit and miss. I mean, when it's up, it's up. But they're really, mm. really, really fun. I wish you were there for Trent last night. It'd been a lot better. But yeah, dang it, I is. I just looked at the computer far too long yesterday. No, if you're. I, if good. I would have known that I, my podcasting days were numbered, I probably would have. Uh, <laughs> I would have soldiered up a little bit more. No, but, <laughs> you're good. Um, but yeah, I. It, it sounds corny, and I'm sure people have kind of just already tuned out. But if you haven't, you know, thank you so very much for listening. Thank you for reviews, ratings, comments, sharing the damn thing, you know, whatever. Um, I really had a lot of fun doing this, and I'm going to have a lot of fun listening to it and just kind of getting back into the full kind of, I guess, fan mode. Like, that's just essentially... I'm an OU fan. That's how I kind of presented myself on this podcast. But I I guess to some people, I was a media member as it concerned OU football because I had a podcast that some people listen to. Um, but after being in sports media for five years and shedding that skin, you know, has kind of it's been hard um, fully. But now I guess I have to fully transition into I can just. A, a writer for my alma mater, which is, you know, really, really cool. So I'm thankful for that, but I'm thankful for you all. But again, do not stop listening because I'm not the reason why you're listening to this damn thing anyway. So um, Keegan and Matt will be back for the patrons at some point this week if they can find some time. We will. Other than that, the post game show, the Patreon page, the free pods, the X's and O's show, as far as I can tell, will continue. But I just won't be on there. Matt, you're probably going to have to put a message at the very beginning of this to say, everybody, be sure to listen to the last 20 minutes, 15 right. to 20 minutes. Otherwise, Don't the, skip this. <laughs> otherwise, the next handful of episodes are going to be very confusing. Very what happened to Brady? Season. Where's Brady? Get this Keegan guy out. Gia got Brady. No. <laughs> when will this reign of terror end? Someone put that monkey. No, actually, no, we don't tell people. <laughs> we don't. And then when people ask where Brady is, that's what we do. We say, Gia got to him. Well, people are just going to look at this podcast and go, an hour and 40 minutes? Is that how long we've been going? It's a bye oh week. <laughs> it's worth it. It's been a good one. I know. It's an hour and 40 minutes long, and we are in the third inning, it looks like, right? No, Seven. Go ball. Go oh. ball. Go ball. Go ball. The ball's gone. Matt's going to be celebrating a World Series tonight. Hey, shout out Goes. Ryan Chapman as well. It's awesome. the best. It's the best feeling. Noted Braves fan. For all the Braves, all the all for all the things the Cardinals have made Braves fans endure over the last decade, Matt. I'll let you enjoy. Your yes. Game. Freddie Freeman, pay him his money. Neato gang. That's all we got. Man, that's beautiful. All right, everybody. For the last time from my kitchen in my tiny little cave apartment in Oklahoma City, thank you so much. Keegan Renault, Matt Burton, I'm Brady Trantham. Boomer Sooner, everybody, and they will talk to you later. <laughs>